In today's show, we look back at Monday in the NBA. There were eight games on. We go through all of that. Waiver wire trends news as well. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Fangio Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit Fangio.com slash Locked On today to get started. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here and we're going to talk about the action from Monday. Before I do that, a quick reminder, trade deadline show, Thursday, February the 9th. Yes, I'm pushing this one. Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. If I have to get up early, like 4.30 a.m., to get this show on the road, I want you all there to watch it. Thursday, February the 9th, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Get there, trade deadline show. I think it's going to be a cracker. We're going to answer your questions. We're going to react as trades happen. It's going to be a cracker, a belter, an absolute rip snorter. Whatever other stupid sentence that you can find, that's what it's going to be. We're going to do that. Orny. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right, let's look at some news. Uh, LeBronald, he missed today with that foot issue. And Darvin Ham had some things to say that make us think that a lot of the... I don't know if conspiracy theories is the right word. In fact, it's almost definitely not the right word. But when we said, mm, LeBron, if the Lakers are struggling and he gets the scoring record, that his season might be in jeopardy. And you know, when you hear that stuff with nothing, with nothing behind it, you go, all right, bullshit, right? But LeBron has hurt his foot, I reckon, five times this season. Sprained his ankle so many times, always appears on the injury report. And some of the Lakers' injury reporting is nonsense, but LeBron legitimately has hurt that ankle so many times. And now they're saying that LeBron sat Monday and he might he's questionable for Tuesday and the foot's giving him problems. To me, that is one of the biggest red sirens I've ever heard on LeBron. The Lakers aren't really going anywhere. And if they are saying to go somewhere, then yes, LeBron will play through it with games off. But this to me signifies that back-to-backs are going to be a real trouble for him and we are going to get time off. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get like the final month of the season out for LeBron because it's not a fake injury. This is a legitimate thing that he has done multiple times this season. And I do think that he just wants to get this scoring record out of the way. And once it is out of the way, then I do fear that he will go and have to have some sort of treatment, procedure, surgery, whatever it is on his ankle, because it has been a significant problem. And the fact that they're listing him questionable on the second half of the back-to-back and those comments from Ham lean into that. Is this conspiracy theory? No. Is this fake shutdown? No. Is it a real injury? Yes. Is it guaranteed to happen? No. There's a lot of yeses and nos there. But be aware, if you've got LeBron, it's not looking good. That's how I feel. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. But what about Scarf? OG, stop OG. Uh, You better stop OG. Ananobi's out for the rest of this week. There is one game in which he can play before the trade deadline. Will he play it? Will he ever play for Toronto again? I think that they would be silly to trade him unless they get a lot back for him. But who knows, man? Who knows what they're going to do? But Ananobi is out. So that means that the big sneeze, Preston Chua, is a must-roster player. I still have my doubts that if Ananobi or Trent are traded that another starter doesn't come back and keeps Precious on the bench. I don't know that that's going to be the case. That is still a likely... The, 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 the case against Precious moving forward is that no one is traded. He stays on the bench. Ananobi or Trent are traded and someone comes back. 
he stays on the bench. Or Ananobi and Trent are traded for salary matching and draft picks and Achua starts. So that's a one in three chance if we're giving all of those things likely probabilities, a one in three out of the three divergent paths, a one in three chance of that happening. But now that OG is out for the rest of the week, you've got to grab Precious. And then even if you have to hold, it doesn't matter. Like you've got to grab him. I think we said that about three, four days ago as well, like with Ananobi out, like you just got to grab him and go from there. And again, I've clearly uh, admitted that I've been wrong on Precious. He has turned things around. Do I have full confidence they're going to stick the rest of the season? Not quite, but you've got to grab him. If they're going to play him 36 minutes a night, you really, unless your name's Quentin Grimes, you really can't consider to leave that sort of a player on the waiver wire. Kawhi and PG are back tomorrow, but Morris and Jackson remain on the injury report. For the Clippers, um, it would be pretty bizarre or pretty wild to me if the Indiana Pacers trade Miles Turner now after they basically come out. They give the ex- renegotiation and extension, which apparently there's some debate now about whether it is actually legal or to trade him or not. I know that Bobby Mark said it was, but Larry Kuhn is now saying that he's not sure. It's not explicitly stated in the CBA, and there's a spirit of the CBA guideline that the commissioner can say, no, you can't do that because you know we're encountering a renegotiation as just a standard extension. Um, so that would rule it out. So there's a bunch of things saying that, like on the legality side, that maybe it can't actually be done. Then the Pacers come out and say, no, like we're not trading him. Like we did this because we want him here. And Miles Turner comes out and says, I love being here. I like being with this organization. I'm glad we'll get it done. Like I want to be here. So for them to come out and trade him a week later would be a shock and look, really. And I just don't think it's going to happen. We're talking 0.05% chance, I think, of Miles Turner going getting traded. So Isaiah Jackson. It's very hard to consider that a hold. I wouldn't do it. And I've still got people asking me, hey, does that mean we can drop Jalen Smith now? Like, bro, I don't know why you're still holding Jalen Smith. I honestly have no idea. That was a drop weeks ago. And yeah, like I got that completely wrong at draft time because again, but hey, maybe this is uh, something to put into this because I believe the Pacers when they said he'd be their starting forward, power forward. He was. And then he was shit for you know, 20 games and they benched him. Rightfully so. Never should have promised it to him. But I got it wrong. I just thought, no, you'll probably, they're going nowhere. They'll put, they've put development into him. They're promising him the starting gig for a, for a reason. Um, yeah, so I, I, no. Long story short, which I can't really do that often, Jalen Smith is a drop. So this is Isaiah Jackson. Dort's out for a few more games. Um, yeah, that's cool. No one should be rostering him in 12 team category leagues at all. Just drop him. See you later. And Robinson Earl may be back end of the week, start of next week. Don't need to add him either. And then we've got. Um, Jay Crowder talking with Milwaukee. No, you don't add Jay Crowder in a 10 or 12 team league, maybe in a 14 team league. But if he goes to Milwaukee, he is coming off the bench. He is playing 24, 25 minutes and he's not a great permanent producer. But at least if he gets traded, I get to do this. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. And now today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. There's only one thing that you need, one app that you need for your Super Bowl party, and that is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. So if we look on FanDuel, bring it up now, have a look what the odds are. They've got the Eagles favored by one and a half points. They've got some individual specials here. Any player to return a punt or a kickoff for a TD, plus 1,200. That's plus 1,200, but Philadelphia Eagles to rush for four plus TDs is plus 1,300. Those things don't think, don't think they should be the same. 
any non-quarterback to have one plus passing TD plus 2,000. Are we going to get a repeat of the Philly special? Well, you can check all that stuff out at Fangio. The app is safe and secure and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join Fangio today at Fangio.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's Fangio.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fangio, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's go to the waiver wire. Let's look at the most added players. Over the last 24 hours, or since I did the last waiver wire show anyway, the most added player um, is the big fella in Detroit. Alec Berg. Fine. Get it. He's starting. He's mediocre. He's a top, fine stream. I really don't have confidence in it lasting long term, but no worries to add him. Pat Beverly up 19%. He did nothing today, but they have a three-game in Fortnite little stretch here, which gives him some value. The Big Ragu up 16%. Dante DiVincenzo will talk about the value of him, but the Warriors have a Wednesday-Thursday back-to-back, and Clay is likely going to sit. I don't know about Steph or Draymond, so that boosts DiVincenzo's value. Um, in San Antonio, the rookie, Jeremy Sohan. Sohan now! He's up 14%. He's an ad. Cole Anthony, I told you. I told you with this bloke. I told you. When he does something, and then he has his big scoring game, and then he has like eight points on nine shots. How do you trust it? Like, I know adding him made sense given how he'd played and the production there, but man, the frustration of this guy is really, really palpable. The big sneeze up 12%, good ad for him. Tom Bryant up 9%, good stream for today. Value does dip now with Davis back Tuesday and Thursday, so if you did want to move on, I get it. But adding him for the three games in four nights, because he's still going to play on Tuesday and Thursday, not a bad decision. I don't think that LeBron, if LeBron is out on Tuesday, does help Bryant. I don't think they'll go to much Bryant and Davis together. Maybe they do, but I think Brown and Hachimura can fill in for that LeBron role. And Denny Avdi up 9%. Pretty good bloody move from those guys. We still don't know exactly what's going to happen because Dan Gafford was out today, which is frustrating. But Avdi went crazy. We'll talk more about him a little bit later. The most dropped players. Chris Duarte down 26%. TJ McConnell down 17%. Okay. It's because they don't play for three days. And Halliburton might be back Thursday. Probably not more on the weekend. So maybe on the Friday or the, or the Sunday game. But there's just no point holding these fringe guys, which Halliburton, which McConnell will be, when Halliburton returns, when you can use that uh, roster spot for streaming. Pat Connaughton down 15%. Told you. Like, this is, those games were just not real. Like, what he was doing was just not replicable, and we saw that. Jalen McDaniels down 12%. Absolutely no reason to be rostering him. They do, uh, actually, let me rephrase. Sorry. Long term, long view, there's no reason to roster Jalen McDaniels. Starting Tuesday, they have three games in four nights. That little boost when you're talking limited ads for a week, makes him useful. And maybe Gordon Haywood sits one of those three games. Isaac Okoro down 10%. Thank you for your service, King. I'll see you later. John Isaac down 9%. Look, guys, this was what was going to happen. 10 minutes, bad production. The 37% usage, the 10 block or 10 steals per 100 possessions rate from the first game was never real. This is a slow build. You have to be sitting pretty at the top of the standings and waiting for something that literally might not ever come. And if it does come, doesn't come until March. And even then might come as a 19, 20 minute a night roll. He is not for everybody. Really clear. And like everyone, I kept saying this, oh, Josh is going to have to eat his words. All right, cool. Like, I don't think you need to hold him. All right, but I also didn't think you needed to pick him up. Tyus Jones down nine and Dylan Brooksy Brooks down 8%. Yes. Good. Drop him. Bye-bye. See you later. You're dreadful. Let's go on to the first game of the day. It is 
your comeback kings, the Orlando Magic. Big win on the road for the Magic. 119-109 over the Sixers. After they were like 20 points down in the first half, the Magic just rolled them in the second half. So what happened? Polo was great. 29-9 with three threes. Um, Markel Fultz, 32. This is his first game back in Philly, I believe. 12 points, 10 assists, and four steals on 29% shooting, but still good numbers. The aforementioned Cole Anthony had five points on 29% on in 16 minutes. Few minutes in Jalen Suggs. And yes, all of you meme trollers, what should you do with Jalen Suggs? Drop him. Suggs had four points in 20 minutes. It's really hard to look at Cole Anthony as a must-roster guy. It just is. There's too much inconsistency. Fine, in 14-team leagues, no worries. 12, really hard to do. Now, you'd look at this and say, well, what, what, what do I do with Wendell Carter, though? Like 21 minutes, that's annoying. 12 and 9? I agree, that is annoying. Now, there was one of the Magic Beat reporters, uh, Adam Papagiorgio, I think it was, that said, ooh, I don't like the way Carter's moving. It looks a bit like plantar fascia flare-up. So, was that the reason for the minutes to climb? It could have been part of it, but it could also have been that Flaming Mo Wagner was just just dominating, really. Twenty-two minutes for Wagner, twenty-two points, six rebounds, and a block. Ten of ten from the line. Chalk this one up to fluke. Leave him as a deeper league guy. He is the clear backup over Mo Bumba because he's terrible, and over Bol Bol because spoiler alert, he's also not very good. Bol played ten minutes for zero points, had three rebounds, a steal, and a block. I know there are a lot of people still holding Bol Bol. I don't know why. I don't know why. You don't You don't need to do that. Um, you don't need to do that. Well, John Isaac had two points with a steal and three rebounds in his 10 minutes. Franz had 19, while Gaz Harris played 29 and had nine points with three triples. Gaz is a nice 16-team league guy who occasionally just pokes his head through into 14-team league value. For the Sixers, Embiid, he did play through the foot injury, had 30 and 11 with two steals and two blocks on great efficiency. Unfortunately... From the line, he went 7 of 11. We'd like for a bit more there. While Jimmy Harden had 17, 8, and 6. And then there was a bunch of nothingness. Solid enough Tobias Harris game. But recently, you probably have noticed, or maybe you haven't, that his defensive stats have sort of disappeared. Because he's never been that guy ever until the first 50 games of this season. But 17, 6, and 1 is okay. But it's more of the 90th best player, not the 50th best player. And then the Melton Maxi stuff, well, they're all shithouse. Because PJ Tucker got given 28 minutes for some reason. I, I'm not really certain why. Melton played only 21. He had 8 and 7 with 2 steals. But I would just hold. Even with that game, he's the 54th ranked player over the last week. I would still hold Melton. And Maxi is showing us exactly the concerns we had. Is If it's not... You know who he is? Point guard Norman Powell. Because he doesn't get a chance to get assists. He doesn't do anything defensively. He never rebounds. What he needs is insane th- shooting percentages and big minutes in usage. And unfortunately, he had eight points in 28 minutes on 44%. He had one rebound. He had two assists. He had no defensive stats. There were some crazy talk. There was some crazy talk about Maxi in the offseason, in the preseason. Man, he's going to be better than Harden. I think he's a top 40 guy, top 30 guy. He's going to be an all-star. Um, he's going to take over. Like, bro, there was some cra- people. Uh, it's a great example. You know what? I might have even said some crazy things. I don't think I did because I'm... I said that I was definitely fading him with his ADP at 55, and I had him in like the 80s, maybe, or 70s. But there are some crazy things that get said in the preseason when when we look at a lot of stuff, and especially when we see outlier statistical performances, like shooting 46% from three when Harden arrived, that we have to go, this is just not going to happen. And when you don't get the ball in your hands, um, it's really hard to make things happen. Sorry for going on about that for a while. Uh, Georgie Yang, six points with two triples in 20 minutes. One of the more reliable three-point servers. Back to Maxi. You don't drop tangles. You just hold him. But 
you know, expectations, I think, I expect, have been recalibrated now as to what his value actually is. Let's go to the next one. The Nets pretty comfortably handled the um, the Spurs, or not the Spurs, the, the, the Lakers in this one. What am I talking about? Black and white. Um, 121-104. There was no LeBron. There was no Davis. It's really hard to judge too much of this game. We'll look at Tom Bryant, 18-9. Totally solid, right? 27 minutes, but no Davis. Rui Hachimura, oh, well, actually, we'll talk about Rui in a second. Pat Beverly played 35 minutes. His minutes are up, but 5-1-3, 1, 13%, dreadful. But you added him for the three games in four nights. I hope that's why you added him. So you can ride that out. Dennis Schroeder, 10 points on 13%. Oh, that's disgusting. I, I Again, if you added him and you've got him for the three games in four nights, by all means hold. But he's not a long-term 12-team league player. While Westbrook had 17, 8, and 10 on, you, you guessed it, shocking percentages. And his usage and minutes are probably going to come down. I wouldn't be surprised if we hit fantasy playoffs. If LeBron is still playing, the Westbrook will be a drop. Good game from Troy Brown, 11 and 17, but it's just not real. Like, he's not going to get these opportunities. And that brings us back to, speaking of opportunities, to Rui Hachimura. And you're getting the absolute perfect illustration of why when Rui Hachimura was traded to the Lakers, I went, I don't think so. I don't like it. He can't do anything that's not scoring points. He played 28 minutes as a starter. Had 16-4-1 with no defensive stats. He was actually poor from the line. He shot 46 from the field. He has one of the worst fantasy profiles for category leagues. And going to this team, the usage is not going to be higher playing with LeBron and Davis. It just isn't. Like, I'd like to see you. He needs to prove to me that he can do more than this for a strong period of time rather than just, well, he'll go to, Le- he'll go to the Lakers and LeBron will make him better. And I heard that get bandied about in so many different areas. LeBron makes players better. Does he? Like, does he? How's Dennis Schroeder looking this season? How's Westbrook looking next to LeBron? Does LeBron make players better? Sure, sometimes. Does he make players worse? Sure, a lot of times as well. There's no clear, well, he's got a LeBron, he'll make him better. That's just not a real thing. It's, some players get made better next to LeBron. Some players, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, were bad, were worse. And we love an all-encompassing narrative, and I am probably guilty of it as well, but we love an all-encompassing narrative that playing with LeBron makes you better. And it's just not true. It does, but it also doesn't. So there's no way we can just tar everybody. You paint over with the same brush saying, Rui's going to LeBron. It's time to fire up. When Rui's just Rui. This is who he is. For the Nets, weird game. Obviously, Durant, Simmons, and Warren were out. And then both Seth Curry and Joe Harris, the starters, were dreadful. So it was Cam Thomas and Patty Mills that went off. 21 points for Millsy in 26 minutes. 21 points for Thomas in 23 minutes with four threes. They shot 58, Mills, 62, Thomas from the field. It's not real. I don't care. It doesn't mean anything. These are guys that are not even regular rotation players. Great game. Don't care. Nick Claxton, just 27 minutes, 6 and 12. Some of it was um, the fact that it was a blowout, but also Dayron Sharp played really well. He was an, He's a very interesting fantasy player, Sharp. He had 8 and 14 with a steal and two blocks. He played 21 minutes, but honestly, he plays like 10 minutes most nights. Sometimes, literally not at all, as Ben Simmons gets back up center minutes. He's a very interesting dynasty guy that probably takes four or five years to pan out because he's not overtaking Claxton, but a trade could happen. Claxton could get hurt. Things could change. And there is the fantasy profile built into someone like Dayron Sharp. Just keep the name in mind. Um, if you did have Curry, it's obviously really bad this game. Six points with like nothing else. But I'd hold. Well, Royce O'Neal, pretty strong game from Royce. 14 and six, three threes for the Basmati man, two steals and a block. He's hanging around the back end of 12 teams. Hanging around the back end of 12 team league value. Um, let's do the next one. This one was the Washington Wizards. 
and the San Antonio Spurs. I got the Spurs right this time. The Wizards win comfortably, 127-106, with some pretty uh, interesting numbers for a lot of um, a lot of players on the uh, Wizards side of things because the big fella, the Latvian, not the Latvian laser, because that's Davis Bertans. I don't know what this guy is. Just a legend. Just- yep. 30 minutes, 17, 9, and 7, 3 steals in 5 blocks. He was a guy that I was very interested in taking third round of every draft, right? Um, it's paid off, I think, pretty well so far. Fingers crossed. Brad Beal, 30 minutes, 21, 7, and 7 with 2 blocks. Like, how much do I look at this and go, man, they're, they're great, or they're playing the Spurs? I think the Spurs factor is huge. And that brings us to Denny Avdia, who this is one of the biggest sell-high moments you'll ever see. 33 minutes, 25, and 9, a steal and a block. And you might call me a hater. I'm not. But there are a couple of things we need to pay attention to. He was a team best plus 25, and he was very, very good. I was very critical of this team for moving him out of the starting lineup and limiting his minutes all season. I think he fits perfectly in the starting group, right? I am very much on board, Denny, with that. But the fact that Gafford was out in this game and they still didn't start Denny Avdia gives me some warning signs. He also shot 83% from the field. He went 10 of 12. That's not real. The 21 usage is fine. He's usually much lower than that. And I'm guessing some of the extra usage came because A, it's against the Spurs, and B, he was red hot. He's been very strong, and he should be added in 12-team leagues. But the fact that he's still coming off the bench, and we still don't know how it goes with Porzingis, Gafford, Kuzma, and, and Avdia all playing together uh, post-Hachimura. We don't know. But what we did see is that there was a period where Hachimura was out, and Avdia would play 24 minutes a night and do nothing. So... The narrative that, well, Hachimura's gone, that's unlocked any, I don't really believe that. I think it's coincidental because we saw plenty of times with Rui was out earlier this season. Rui was not playing and Denny didn't become unlocked. So it's a very handy narrative, but Denny was not unlocked when Rui was out. Kispert had 14 points with four threes. Like, sure, cool. Two steals are nice. I'm not worried about him in 12s. Also, D'Lon Wright, the narrative here is that Kendrick Nunn is taking the minutes off D'Lon Wright. Well, not really. D'Lon's just sort of playing the same minutes. He played 23 here, 5 and 6. The problem is he just hasn't generated a single steal in the last two games. And if he's not getting steals, he's not doing anything. So I am going to reassess him as a must-roster sort of a player because that steal rate has fallen away. Nunn is getting minutes, which is interesting. I don't think he's good, but he played 20 minutes. He had 12 points. The guy that copped it was Monte Morris. 24 minutes for Morris, 11, 2, and 4. He, he's not a must-roster 12-team league player. DeLon's probably more of a rosterable guy than Morris, but they're sort of sitting in the same area, I would say. And I'm a little worried about the minutes, or no, sorry, about the steals for DeLon, because if they're not at that consistently high level, there's not much there. Kuzma was sort of middling 16 and 6, nothing too exciting for him. For the Spurs, the minute split between Pirtle and Collins returned. There's no way of knowing when that happens or when it doesn't. 22 for Zach, 16, 11, and 2 blocks. Must-roster player until the deadline. Jakob Pertl, maybe even a buy low. Don't drop him. Seven and five with a block in 22 minutes. And then a bunch of nothing. We were worried a little bit about Trey Jones. He was better here. 31 minutes, nine, four, and nine. While the horse, Calden Johnson. Whose horse is that? 26, four, and four. He actually brought two steals. He missed both his free throws, but the other stuff was all right. It was also a really strong start from Sohan, but only ended with 17 points. Only played 27 minutes. And for some reason, despite being a defender, gets no defensive stats. Just doesn't get him. I think he can get them. He just doesn't. He's playing like DeAndre Hunter at the moment, except he gets probably more more assists. I think he is a 12-team league player, but the lack of defensive stats, the fluctuating minutes, the sometimes iffy percentages, it's going to cool down here for sure. Um, 
make him more borderline than the guaranteed Stone Cold lock must-add guy. Bates Diop's a good defensive streamer. He shot shockingly, 21%, but he had two steals and two blocks. While Langford is out, Bates Diop is in the mix for us. The Sacramento Kings and the Minnesota Timberwolves went to overtime, and the Kings get it done without Sabonis, who was who thought he was ejected, walked to the locker room, wasn't ejected, came back in, and then fouled out anyway, and wasn't able to play in overtime. So Sabonis had 17 and 13, but it wasn't a Sabonis special. He actually had one steal and two blocks. While Darren Fox ended with 32, 5, and 4, two steals and a block, a great game, but I think he scored 20-plus points in the fourth quarter. It wasn't the greatest night until we hit fourth quarter in overtime. And you can look at Trey Lyles and go, well, that's nice, 11 points, but he played overtime the five minutes. He barely played, and we know the ups and downs of Trey Lyles. Do not go and add him. Let's talk about Fanda Pants Kevin Herter. He has been wildly inconsistent. For all of the talk about him, for us looking at him from a fantasy point of view, he has these stretches where he's top 50, then where he's top 180, then he's top 50, and now he's third and fourth over the last week. He had three points in 22 minutes, shooting 14%. It's really quite annoying to deal with him. You still got to roster him, but bloody hell. That inconsistency. And then we want to talk inconsistency. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy. Now, he sort of made me look a little bit silly because I always say that he doesn't do anything apart from score. And he had four steals here. But when the shot doesn't go in, eight points on 27% shooting and one of three from the line, two rebounds, there's nothing. And he was shooting at such a ridiculously high level that it was bound to cool off. So you can go with him there, but my overall thought process on him remains the same. Fine in a playoff situation where you just need production, but as a must-roster guy, I don't think so. And the same sort of goes for Keegan Murray, who was all right here. He played 39 minutes. He had 13 and 13. Like, that is totally okay. He hit three threes. He had one assist. The defensive stats and assists are just not there for him this season. And he gets by on shooting well. And when he doesn't shoot well, things aren't always there. Now, the rebounds were really strong here. And he is playing at a high enough level to be a 12-team league guy. But I don't look at him as an absolute 12-team top 100 lock as we move forward. I don't think that's realistic. With Herter in, in like, I was going to say in foul trouble, he was just in bad form trouble. Malik Monk stepped up. 19 points, 5 assists, 3 steals. Really good game from Monk. But I don't want to trust it. I'm not going to trust it at all. I don't think that his minutes should be guaranteed around that level. On the Timberwolves side of things... um, Anthony Edwards, 41 minutes. He was uh, he was pretty good. He was he was pretty good. Um, some really good um, production here from Goose. 33, 8, and 5. Two steals, two blocks, four triples. He is absolutely rolling. After a really rough start to the season, he is putting it together. He's probably going to finish the season as a top 20 guy. Kyle Anderson was grabbing his back a little bit here, so we always need to watch that. But 9, 8, and 6 remains must roster, while Gobert had 19 and 14. No blocks, but the other stuff's pretty good. Jaden McDaniels had a trip to the locker room. They said post-game that he was a little bit ill, but looking at his stat line, it's just the same stuff that he does every game. 13, 11, 3, and 4 with no defensive stats. He is not a 12-team points league player. He is not. In a category league, he probably is, but in a 10-team category league, I don't think so. I don't think you need to bother with it. And D'Angelo Russell, who'd been playing a ton of minutes and played a ton again, but he'd also been playing well. That's the difference because he didn't do that here. 10 points, 25% shooting, 0 of 3 from the line. The seven assists are nice, but that is a disgusting, disgusting um, shooting performance. Well, Nas Reed, the Wizard of Noz, you can go ahead and uh, jack him off. Get that garbage out of here! Six points in 16 minutes for Nas. The Golden State Warriors, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Warriors went at 128-120, the final score. They went 
the Warriors did with that small lineup once again. Kevon Looney off the bench. We'll start with him. Eight and six in 23 minutes. He's still rostered in an unfathomably high percentage of leagues. Like, what are we doing? Absolutely no reason for this. Please don't pin your hopes to Kevon Looney. Steph was awesome. 38, eight and 12 with eight triples. He is playing a ton of minutes. I, I know they need the wins, but he is playing a ton. And Clay Thompson played 37 as well. 28 and seven with six triples. It's really boosting their numbers. Draymond, 7, 9, and 12. And Wiggins, probably his best game in a while in his return to the lineup here. 15 and 4, a steal, two blocks, and wasn't dreadful with percentages. Speaking of dreadful with percentages, Jordan Poole had 15 points. He had four assists, but 33 from the field and 63 from the line. That really hurts. Poole's little, you know, when Curry came back, Poole was able to up his efficiency and maintain good minutes and put up good numbers. And since then, he's 172nd over the last week. I guess maybe putting a pin in the idea that Steve Kerr says he plays better as a starter. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Because it's just back to the same nonsense that we were getting before. Still, obviously, we're rostering him. But it has been, I think, a little bit of a letdown for Poole this season. DiVincenzo, 26 minutes, 8 points, 3 steals, 2 triples. The 3 steals we love. And the fact there's a back-to-back coming up should mean he plays 34 minutes. He's right sort of just just touching cloth on the edge of the 12-team league value at the moment. And I think it's like he's a great ad when anyone misses. And a fringe guy when they're all healthy. The steals and the threes keeps him active, but is he going to be must roster? I, I don't think so. John Kaminga went from playing 20 minutes a night to 12. And yeah, we can stream him when other players are out, but obviously we're not bothering with him in the majority of formats. On to the Thunder. The center roundabout continued. This time it was the Oklahoma City mudflap Kenrich Williams. Seven and eight with three steals. That's great for 14-team leagues. We do like that. And they did start Aaron Wiggins again in place of Lou Dort, but they couldn't help themselves. And they had to change that around at halftime, bringing Pig Williams in pushing Kenrich Williams down to the, the four, I guess, and uh, the Bronco down to the three. As for Pig Williams, actually pretty solid. 12 and eight, two threes, three assists. His assist rate's pretty decent this season. And I will, I'll watch this with Pig because over the last week, he's 111th player over the last week, Jalen Williams. And Pokusevsky and Robinson are still aren't there. I'm not saying that Pig Williams is a 12-team ad because I don't believe that he is. But as at least like a 14-team league streamer, there's a little bit of something happening there. Much like there's a lot of something happening with the Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country, let's ride. 19 and 4, a triple one, 57% shooting, but at the very last second of this game, he sprained his ankle. Let's watch to see whether anything happens there. He obviously is a must roster player, and I think can maintain that. Shea had 31, 4 and 7 with three blocks, including a crazy block, actually. And Giddy had 21, 8 and 6 with three steals. So good numbers for a bunch of those guys there. The next game is the Detroit Pistons going down to the Dallas Mavericks. 111-105, the final score. Um, on the Pistons side, they went with the stupid lineup again. Alec Burks played 30 minutes. He had seven points on eight shots. Cool. That's great. We love it. Awesome. What a great idea. He had nine rebounds and three assists. He's worth a stream until the deadline to see what's up, to see how long they persist with this nonsense. And then we can look and go, well, Killian Hayes actually, Josh, played a lot of minutes and got good usage. And, th- and that is true. 29 minutes, eight points. shooting on 16 attempts, which is obviously dreadful. But he had seven assists. He had two steals. But why did he get 29 minutes? It wasn't at Alec Burks' expense. It was because Jade and Ivy got into foul trouble. And that's the frustrating thing. In fact, Ivy fouled out. So it wasn't like, no, no, we need Hayes and Ivy out there. It was old mate Dwayne Casey going, well, Jade and Ivy's in foul trouble. Let's put Hayes in. Even though I thought Hayes actually played okay. Anyway, Ivy had 14, 2, and 3. Rough from the line, but everything else was pretty strong. But you can see the lack of peripherals hurts. No steals, no blocks, no threes, two rebounds only. He scores, and when the shot goes in, like a lot of these rookies, Keegan Murray, Ben McMatherin, when the shot goes in, it's fine. 
but it doesn't go in enough. And there's not enough supporting numbers from these guys. Ivy is a 12-team points league guy and has been all season. He probably is, given the way that they're trying to force-feed everything to him development-wise, probably is a category league player at the moment. Jalen Duran, this annoys me. 28 minutes because you've got to give minutes to Isaiah Stewart. So the top has been cut off, Jalen Duran. He's still a must-roster player. Nine and four, one steal, three blocks. And the blocks are coming, guys. They're coming in big numbers and 100% from the field. But he was getting 31 minutes a night. And now he's not because we've got to play Isaiah Stewart, who is not good. I'm sorry. Isaiah Stewart just is not a good player. I am back to my initial rookie season evaluation and pre-draft proceeding analysis on him. I was right. Took me three years to get back around there, but he's bad. Get that garbage out of here! Seven and five. He's still taking threes. He's not hit. Actually, he didn't take any in this game. He's back with being a backup center after trying him as a power forward. Dwayne Casey doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Obviously, we can drop Isaiah Stewart. Isaiah Livers, I'll actually love what he does on court. The numbers are never great for him. I don't think he's going to be a fantasy guy, but I actually like what he does on court. Well, the depressed penis, 18 points for Sadiq Bay, five threes and three steals. Rough shooting, which has been something that's happened all the time for him as this 3 and D guy who can't defend or can't shoot. Um, he just needs to figure out what his best role is and we all know what his best role is. He just doesn't seem to know it. He's a catch and shoot player who should be able to provide some value on defense, but he thinks he can be an ISO one-on-one maestro and he's not. That's my problem with Bay as a player is he doesn't know where to fit in as a player. But in saying all that, have him in 12-team leagues for now. Boyan had 29 points with four threes. Not much else, but that is the Boyan Bogdanovich experience. On the Mavs, Luka was back and he, and he rolled. Like, it actually gives me a chance to uh, to hit it because, yeah, he was stunning. Oh, stunning. Yeah. 53, 8, and 5, 5 triples, 78% shoot, 71% shooting, 78 from the line, 18 attempts. Just an astonishingly big game. That's huge. Ridiculously good. And that meant everyone else did nothing. Only one other player scored in double digits, and that was Spencer Dinwiddie. He had 12 points. It took him 16 shots to get there. And after last game's maestro performance from Dinwiddie, he was dreadful. 12, 3, and 2 with a Sabonis... I was going to say triple-double. He didn't even get a triple-double. He just got no defensive stats. Just stinking from Dinwiddie. Tim Hardaway is a clear drop with uh, Finney Smith back. He's not playing enough. He's bad. Eight and four with one three. And Finney Smith with Doncic back fell back to being Finney Smith. Now, Dorian's two big games came without Luca, And in every other game, he's been subpar. Six and seven in 35 minutes for DFS. If you want to hold him in 12-team leagues, by all means. I don't think it's necessary, though. Uh, Joshie Green, 29 minutes. That's interesting. With Luca back, eight points, a triple one. He's not really a 12-team league guy, but in 16 teams, 14? Maybe. Reggie Bullock hit three threes as well for nine points. Next game, the Suns beat the Raptors 114-106. Van Vliet's playing really well. Huge minutes, of course. 39 minutes, 24-4-9 for him. Top 20 over the last week. While Scotland Barnes was pretty strong. 16-7-5, two steals and a block. And after that horrendous run, he has really started to reestablish himself. Top 35 over the last week. The big sneeze we talked about already. 11-12, and 12, a steal and a block. 34 minutes, got to roster him. Got to roster him to see what happens here. Well, Gaz Trent, Gaz Trent at his way to 21 points with like literally basically nothing else. He had three threes, three rebounds, one assist, one steal, shot poorly. It's, it's what Gary Trent does. And he's very polarizing because metrics can overvalue him. But for your team, he might be brilliant. For other teams, he's completely useless. He's like the reverse Larry Nance, where Larry Nance does the things in the small categories and Trent does them in the visible ones, the scoring ones. Thad Young got 14 minutes for some reason. Don't know why I'm talking about that. Well, Chris Boucher, the wiki, 24 minutes, 5 points, 11 rebounds, a block. I still don't think that we need to have him in 12-team leagues. It's going to require multiple trades and no players coming back for him to be relevant. And Because he, he is not, 
that you know top 10 per 36 guy that he used to be. He hits 28% of his threes. His block rate's well, well down. He's not that player anymore. The dude's also 30 years old. So he's just like a guy that when multiple injuries occur, we can stream in. Otherwise, we leave for deeper leagues. That's about it. But the Suns, Bridges, great to see the efficiency here. 29, 3 and 6, 3 steals in a box, 63%, a fantastic game. And Chris Paul also was great, 19, 4 and 9. And Aiton, also really good. Now, still no defensive stats, but 22 and 13. The, pa- the bad stuff was Tory Craig, 2, 8 and 4 in 26 minutes. And Cameron Johnson, who did nothing. Couldn't get anything to fall. Now, I'm still sort of encouraged the fact that he had two steals. But only four points for Cam Johnson, 11% shooting. And we know he's not an 11% shooter. Do not use this game as justification to drop Cameron Johnson. Cameron Johnson remains a 12-team league player. Points leagues, probably less so, but still would be. Category leagues, definitely. Do not use this as any sort of excuse to drop him. Damian Lee had 11 points, not much there, while Dario Saric's value, which had peaked a little bit with these players back. There's no need to have Dario Saric even around the periphery of a 12-team league. All right, let's do the last game. It is the Atlanta Hawks and the Portland Trailblazers. The Blazers win it in the end. Good win for them, 129-125. Yeah, Trey Young was out for Atlanta, so they started Aaron Holiday, but who cares? Three points in 15 minutes. It was really um, Bogdan Bogdanovich who got the bulk of that role. 23 points in 32 minutes for Bogdan with seven assists. He had been struggling. This is a good antidote. More usage, more um, assists. With Trey out, don't bank on that being the norm. And the same goes for DeJounte Murray, who was excellent. 40 and 8, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 5 threes. These are the sort of things that he was doing last season when he was the main man in San Antonio. And the reason he hasn't been that same guy this season, he's not the main man in Atlanta. And it's obviously just really clear. 29 minutes for Clint Capella. Um, as I try and find the sound drop. Lisa needs braces. Only 10 points because he shot 36% for some reason, but 15 rebounds and three assists while Kongwu, 19 minutes, eight and seven with a steal. 100% shooting for a Kongwu. I do not believe that he is a must roster player. Again, if you really just want to Dutch rudder the low turnovers, that boosts him, but the counting stats are nothing exciting for him. He's fine to hold. Absolutely no reason that you have to drop him, but he's not must roster. Johnny Collins had 16 and six, but it was a rough night from the free throw line. While this is the man that we've seen for years and years, DeAndre Hunter. 38 minutes, 10 points. Two rebounds, no threes, 21% shooting. He's been playing well. This was terrible. And we've seen a track record of him being a terrible category league player. He probably still want to hold in 12s, but he's more of a fringe guy um, than a must-roster 12-team league player. Adrian Griffin hit three threes in his 21 minutes. For the Blazers, Lillard was also great. 42, 2, and 6 with five threes. But Simons was able to contribute on very hot shooting. 21 points with seven assists. And Grant had 22 points. Now, Jeremy Grant's 22 points is great. Two rebounds is, is bad. The two blocks is nice. He continues to be really, really solid, Jeremy Grant, but it had sort of dropped off a little bit. Nurkic returned. Initially, they said Eubanks was starting, and then they quickly resubmitted the form in the correct way, and Nurkic did start. 26 minutes, 12 and 5, a steal and a block. Well, Eubanks played 22 minutes. I'm going to guess that is mainly because of a restriction for Nurk. Eubanks is a guy I've banged on about as a good 16-team league guy all season. He's probably got some 14-team league value with Nurk's calves, calves acting up, but I wouldn't bother with him in 12s. Josh Hart, 9, 12, and 5. That is a 12-team league line, but he's very much on the fringes. While we thought there was a chance Little would start with even with Hart back, that didn't happen. He barely played 6 points in 13 minutes. And Gaz Payton played just the 14 minutes. We do not need to roster Gaz Payton outside of the very deep leagues. Also, good minutes for Shaden Sharp, 10 points in 24, but I don't think we need to do anything with that. His assist rate still remains comically low. 
The lines of the night. The monstrous line of the night does go to Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors. The waiver wire line of the night is Dayron Sharp in Brooklyn. Your young gun is Paulo Banquero. And the dud of the night is Spencer Dinwey. The top 10 players today. Number one was Steph, followed by Luca, DeJounte Murray, Porzingis, Lillard, Bridges, Gilgis Alexander, Chris Paul, Bradley Beal, and Joel Embiid. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50% of leagues. Number one was Dayron Sharp. Number two, Paddy Mills. I just don't care at all about those guys really in any league. Sharp, maybe Dynasties, as I talked about earlier. Number three is Malik Monk. Put him on the 14-team league radar. Number four is Mo Wagner. Yeah, but probably not. Just a weird circumstance today. Zach Collins, yes, we're looking at him in 12s. Troy Brown, no. Although if LeBron misses tomorrow, could be a stream. Uh, Cam Thomas, no. Pig Williams, maybe. Stepping up a little bit at the moment, Jalen Williams. Keep an eye on it. Ish Wainwright, three steals really floated that value. And then Cordy Kispert, that's like a 14 to 16 team league guy that when Gafford returns, I'm not sure he even plays enough to matter. Top 10 players in points leagues today. Number one was Luca, followed by Murray, Curry, Porzingis, Embiid, Anthony Edwards, Damian Lillard, Mikhail Bridges, De'Aaron Fox, and Kyrie Irving at number 10. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave your comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.